I, even as I grew on my own health journey, it still found it so important to be able to enjoy the food I was eating. You find all the time that there are these dieters and these people that go in crashes and binges and 100% this type of eating or nothing at all. And I never could do that. I, I wanted to eat real wholesome food, but I also wanted to enjoy a cupcake and I didn't want any guilt around that. Because at the end of the day, that's life if you can't have a good cupcake, right? So welcome back to the Four Questions Podcast. I am Rabbi Adam Grossman, our host. And my name is Logan Peck, and I am the producer of the Four Questions Podcast. We are very excited to now launch our following episode because now we are an actual podcast. Because we're now legit. We have, we're legit. We have not only one, but now we have two. So I think... I, is that is that what constitutes? You know what? Well, let's, let's, one let's, is the loneliest number. So, <laughs> uh, and two two could be as bad as one though. So, but it's not as. But it's but it's not as. <laughs> but it's but it's not as. We'll, um, so, you know, no. we'll we'll agree to disagree on that one, Adam. We'll agree to disagree. So, but we were really excited. We we started with Mark Roberts Schwartz uh, talking about respecting the universe, and we want to thank all of those who listened, um, and uh, who will now. Uh, listen twice to us. It's with that we bring our next guest in, which we recorded a few weeks back. Her name is Carly Marhefka, the co-founder of Eat the 80. Um, she talks a lot about health and more importantly, one of the most important food groups, cupcakes. You, you can't really it's, argue it's, there. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, okay, here's the thing. All right. Like there's, 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 there's really five schools of thought, right? Cause we have the main, I thought there's like one food group. No, sugar, no, oh, there's no, two. no, sugar there's and four, everything else. No, there's four main food groups, <laughs> candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. Come on, Adam. Okay. I'm fair with that. You're I, fair I, with I'm, that. Okay. I, yeah. Okay. That's fair. Like that's if fair. you're going to make spaghetti, syrup goes on top. It's not a debate. <laughs> it is not up for discussion. No, that's called spaghetti sauce. No. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, it really isn't, honestly. For those of you who haven't tried it, um, twelve out of ten would recommend. Uh, that was uh, that was quite humorous as we're yipping and yapping about uh, about sugar being one of the most important food groups. But we all know sugar is not good for us. Um, but our, our next guest, uh, Carly Marhefka, really talks about uh, not the aspect of eliminating foods from our diet, but more importantly, how we can look at moderation. So join us on episode two of the Four Questions podcast with Carly Marhefka. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Uh, sure. And as you think about that, mm -hmm. um, what's your passion right now? Yeah. So I am definitely an accidental entrepreneur. I think there are people in life that from the moment they are um, born, they just know that this was destined to be their purpose. And that wasn't me. I didn't have a side hustle with like a lemonade stand growing up and I didn't go door to door selling things, trying to make uh, a profit. I, um, however, I did grow up always loving food. <laughs> I've always been really passionate about good food and good company. I'm Jewish and Italian, and that's how we celebrate life. We get good people together, and we eat, and we celebrate life. And so I knew I loved to eat, and I knew I loved to be with good people, um, but that was about all I had. And I think going into college, like most of us, you have preview. It's like, what, two days? They're like, pick a major. Decide what you're going to do the rest of your life. I'm like, 
Sure. Yeah. I'm <laughs> 17. I know exactly what that's going to be. I know my entire life right now. Yeah. No problem. Got it. So I went to preview. I think I put down at first I was a, a psych major. I wanted to be pre-med. I think I took one math class and was like, nope. Um, so fast forward, I ended up uh, going into elementary education. I love teaching and I love uh, being able to pass on some sort of new skill, new education to another human and see that light bulb, that's really fun for me. And I knew I wanted to do that in some way and I was great at working with children. And so I went into elementary education. Well, spoiler alert, um, unfortunately with the current climate of teaching, I didn't end up making that my full career. So went into a lot of debt and uh, became a teacher, got three years into doing that and just knew it wasn't for me. And that was a really tough decision to make um, because you feel like you're letting the kids down and that sucked, that really hurt. And that was a difficult process too because I, you put all your time and your energy and your money into this thing and you think that's what you have to do, right? You're like, well, I went to school to be a blah, blah, blah. This is all I know how to do. And I got my PhD in that. Yeah. Blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. It's blah, amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> Pretty much what I ended up spending a lot of money on because I didn't end up using it. And so I think, if anything, if you're listening and you got this far, it's okay to know that you don't have to do whatever it is that you decided in school in that one moment that you have to do. You've got to find what fulfills you. So that started my journey of what is it that really fills the tank? What keeps me going? And in this process of um, teaching, I found my now husband. Um, he owned a gym at the time called Body by Boris. And I fell in love with physical and mental transformations with health and wellness. I experienced one for myself. I'd never really been a physically active person. Just got kind of lucky and didn't have to do a whole lot of exercise. I was definitely more into academics growing up. and uh, But it was starting to catch up to me in college. And I definitely gained a little weight. I was sick all the time. I actually gained the nickname The Plague at one point, <laughs> which is a really cute, attractive nickname for not, a... Not much of a nickname. Yeah. <laughs> girl to have. It was That's not... otherwise known as a label. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I was sick. I mean, I was, I was not eating well. I wasn't moving my body. And it finally caught up and took its toll. And I wanted to make a change, which is how I ended up meeting Chris and starting his boot camp. And it was it this light bulb. I was like, this is incredible that people can feel this good, that your body is designed to feel this good. I had no idea. I was literally in the opposite state of sickness all the time. So I, uh, I fell in love in that moment with the journey of health and wellness. And that's when I realized, okay, even if I'm not teaching children, I want to be able to do things where I can give this moment to other people. So that got me invested into health and wellness. And then through the gym, I was able to start my meal delivery company and take it to the next level and say, okay, I'm helping you with your your body and your your mind in the gym, but how can I help you with the nourishment as well? Because we know that's such a big piece of it too. So talk a little bit about ET80. What does ET80 stand for? Uh, what are the values you espouse uh, as a company? Mm -hmm. And how do your personal values, both with you and, and your husband now, Chris, mm -hmm. um, take your personal values and, and move that into ET80 here? Sure. So growing up, um, 
I know I mentioned it already, but food was life for us. That's how we bonded with my grandparents and my family. We, at the end of a long day, you come around the table and you have a meal. And even when my parents divorced, we still made that a priority that we had family time and we connected around food. And my mom is a professional baker. She's a really good one. And I, even as I grew on my own health journey, it still found it so important to be able to enjoy the food I was eating. You find all the time that there are these dieters and these people that go in crashes and binges and 100% this type of eating or nothing at all. And I never could do that. I, I wanted to eat real wholesome food, but I also wanted to enjoy a cupcake and I didn't want any guilt around that. Because at the end of the day, What's life if you can't have a good cupcake, right? So my food values over time really just transformed into eating food as close to nature as possible. No artificial ingredients, no alterations in the way that food was made. If it came out of the ground this way, that's how I'm trying to eat that food in its most natural state. And that includes proteins too. So when I'm eating cow or when I'm eating chicken, Was that animal living in its natural state, as close to a natural state as it was all the way up until its life ended? It's really important for me to know how that animal is raised. So even outside of just produce, um, the protein matters too. So I take food as close to nature and then, like I said, there's no alteration to that food. So I'm eating fresh fruits, fresh vegetables. We get a lot of our supply right here from the farms in Gainesville. Gainesville is an amazing agricultural hub, and we are so lucky to have some of these incredible suppliers here locally. Um, But we're asking them questions about how are you growing this food and what is the process of from start to finish. And at Eat the 80, what we do, so we're a healthy meal delivery company, but the name comes from that 80-20 balance. So what we believe in is fueling your body with those from nature foods 80% of the time And then having the freedom to use that 20%. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be hard 80, hard 20. But it's knowing that, okay, if I had a piece of dark chocolate today, that does not derail me as a human. I'm not a bad person for that. What about six? Six. um, (laughs) I'll have to do the math. Uh, (laughs) I got some milk chocolate in there as well. So that counts. That's okay. (laughs) And I, I think that that's a really interesting take on on sort of health and wellness. And, you know, you talk about like the bodybuilding and fitness industries. Mm -hmm. It's all about these insane, um, you know, paleo. It's the no carb diet. It's the, um, it's the no carbs after 5 PM, or it's like a, you have to deprive yourself of all of these things that we actually do love and enjoy to Mm -hmm. eat. And so that makes it so hard to stick to Mm -hmm. these unrealistic plans. Absolutely. And Most of society could stand to just get to eating real food first and making that their first priority than worrying about a crazy don't eat this after five or make sure you remove this from your diet. You've got to listen to your body and that takes time too. I think a lot of us are really out of tune with what our body asks of us. But when your body's asking for something and you're sticking with real food, it's okay to give it things that are maybe not as quote unquote healthy. So um, it's really about knowing yourself, knowing what works, and then finding that true balance of what you love to enjoy and what also healthfully fuels your body. So I'm interested in this 100%, this idea that committing to something Mm -hmm. 100%, Mm -hmm. you don't have to be healthy 
to be a hundred percent in on the food you eat as long as you're being aware. Mm-hmm. So what do you commit to a hundred percent? In my diet? In your life. In my life. Ooh, that's a great question. I commit a hundred percent to I would say I really do commit a hundred percent to my own needs. I I really listen and I, I think for me that is as a business owner and as a wife and as um, being responsible for all these people, I've gotten to learn that if I'm not a hundred percent committed to my own needs first, even though that sounds selfish, it's really not. It's learn. It's it's teaching me that it's allowing me to serve everyone better when I actually put myself first. And it's a hard lesson I think um, for me to learn because I grew up in a household where my mother was an incredible mother, but she always put us first. And I saw it wear on her and I saw what happened when she constantly put her kids first. And I think if she had actually devoted some time to herself and her own needs, she could have not maybe worn herself out as much. And so it was really important for me as going into a relationship and going into a business telling my partner that, hey, there are going to be some times where I really focus on myself and my own needs first. So whether that's, hey, I'm not going to go into work until noon today because I need to take a break. My body's telling me that I'm stressed out. My heart rate's really high. Um, I'm not being able to focus on my work. So I'm going to listen to a podcast and I'm going to go walk with the dogs before I can serve any emails or any questions for the day. Or a friend asking me to meet for coffee and me saying, you know what, that's actually not serving me right now because I've got a lot going on and I adore you and it doesn't mean I can't spend time with you, but I'm actually going to serve what I need today and, and my good friends and my family and my staff actually understand and appreciate that. That's amazing. I um, just yeah. want to jump in here for a second. Um, I just because I, th- I think that um, that the language you used in that sort of situation, um, particularly about like, you know, you have a friend who maybe it's a friend you you see on a regular basis or not. Mm-hmm. Really what, it, what what the case is, is that we don't want to go, mm-hmm. but we might try to make up an excuse mm-hmm. as to why we can't, mm-hmm. as opposed to telling people straight up front that like, listen, this is not what I want to do. But also understanding that you don't want to just attack them and say Mm -hmm. like, you know, I really don't want to be spend time with you. It's that I'm taking time for myself. I think personally, I think that's really important. So I just like the language you use. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. It's about putting up, um, barriers and just protecting yourself and your space and your time because it's so limited. And I was talking to Chris about this the other day. I called it, um, presence, vampires, right? Like we have energy (laughs) vampires, but we also have vampires that try to rob us of this present moment. And you constantly are having people that want to rob you of your time and your ability to stay focused on what it is that's important to you. So I'm learning every day to say no to more and more things and saying yes to the things that only serve me in the moment and what I'm trying to focus on. Yeah, a lot of people would, me and listening or, or hearing that, could take it as, as selfish. Selfish, absolutely. Um, and, yeah. and I've, I've articulated this previously as well. Selfish leads to selfishness. Mm-hmm. Uh, selfish by itself leads to selfish, but mm-hmm. selfish with the goal of mm-hmm. putting people first mm-hmm. leads to greater selflessness because mm-hmm. you can give so much more uh, when you own what you have for yourself. 
thinking about this kind of process and and <laughs> uh, presence vampires, which I, yeah. I loved, is uh, tell me something that's true mm-hmm. that nobody agrees with you Ooh, on. I should say, or almost me. nobody. Not everybody, but n- almost nobody agrees with you on. The first thing that comes to mind is probably in the health and wellness space that um, you can actually eat things that I think right now people are saying you absolutely shouldn't. So gluten, for example, or dairy, for example. There's a lot of things in health and wellness that people have just put a hard no on. And people don't question why. They don't say, well, why am I not supposed to eat gluten? Or why am I not supposed to eat dairy? And if you can tolerate these foods and they serve your body and you feel good when you eat them, you should absolutely have them. And you have to, again, get to that place where you know your body and what it needs. Uh, But I hear that all the time where there's just this blind following to these hard and fast diet rules and they're widespread. Like right now, everybody's going into ketosis and everybody is trying to go high fat, low carb, they don't even really understand what it means. Um, I just, do not understand what yeah. that means, just so, you're, just so we're on the same page. Sure. <laughs> but in the health and wellness space, that is the thing right now. And it to me, it seems silly to go blindly into any sort of diet fad, even though that's literally what the whole wellness space is talking about right now. And do I think it's the healthiest way to fill your body to just go drastically into eating a higher fat diet? Not necessarily. So I would say I put listening to your body first before any hard and fast diet rule that's out there. So what is something that you wish someone knew about you Mm. but did not have the courage to ask you? (sighs) These these are questions. (laughs) These are questions. Diving below the surface. We're we're trying. We're trying. We want to have a good, good, get to know you, Carly. Come on. (laughs) So, hmm. That I wish they knew about me, but they didn't have the courage to ask. Ooh, okay, I got one. So in business leadership, I think it's it's talked about more and more, right, that we don't have all the answers and that we're, as a leader, we're supposed to be humble and transparent and let everybody know that we don't know everything. But I, I don't think people really understand that, that even though I own the business, I really don't know everything. <laughs> and I really don't know what I'm doing most days. And I think that's a really scary thing to admit, especially when you're leading a group of people, hopefully to this great path that we're on. But literally most days that I wake up, I am making it up as I go along. <laughs> and I mean that with you all of both. my heart. Yeah. <laughs> and I think... Um, even though I'm trying so hard to break that stereotype with my team, you still want to act like you know what you're doing. And I think it still comes through in my insecurities with the team. And it's hard to just come out to them and admit that I messed up and I had no clue what I was doing and I'm really sorry about that. Or this meeting we're about to go to, I have no clue what's going to happen out of you know the end result. So I wish people were okay to have conversations with people in leadership positions or business um, ownership and and realize that they're people too and that they're figuring out as they go and that we do not have all the answers. So how would you then define success for you? Mm-hmm. Um, success for me is when, hmm, 
a couple things come to mind. I think when I'm living my values is when I feel really successful. When I'm out of sync with what I say that I truly value in life, I get in a rut. I, I can't even put my finger on it. Something feels off. And then when I do some searching, it's like, okay, Carly, you said that health is one of your number one values, but you haven't worked out in five days. Are you really <laughs> taking that seriously? Or you say that laughter is one of your values, but I haven't smiled at all today. You know, Am I really doing what I need to be living in my values? And then my one of my main values is freedom. And for me, I think success, I don't think I'm all the way there, but I know I will have felt successful when I have the freedom to do what I want when I want. I don't want to be tied to any one thing or any one business. And I hated that feeling when I was teaching of having to clock in and answer to somebody. And so for me, it comes back to my values and that value is to have total freedom in finances and in just personal choice. That's amazing. Thank uh, you. I am. Uh, that was a great answer. That was Thank a great you. answer. I'm going home and telling my wife, I want freedom. I, I'm like, uh, Adam, 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 <laughs> slow know, down. I know. Slow down. Goose Fraba, my friend. Goose Fraba. Those you out there who get that movie quote. I really, really loved it. Uh, Thank uh, you. What a great, um, no, something to greatly think about. You had talked previously uh, you, that food was the essential component mm-hmm. of, of, of life in some capacities mm-hmm. where you um, were driven by, or not driven, but uh, it's, it's where things came together. Yeah. Family, life, communication. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned in that conversation that you, you, know, you had these two sides. You had the Jewish side and the Italian side. Mm-hmm. How does religion play a role Mm-hmm. in your growing up and ultimately your um, values that you so beautifully talked about previously. Yeah, thank you. Um, so growing up, I, d- I had a family. My dad's side was Catholic, and they went to church, and I, I went to church at one point, and we would go to church for Easter or for Christmas. Um, and at even one point, I remember going up and somebody wasn't watching me when they were supposed to and I even took communion because I didn't know what was going on and afterwards my mom's like you did what (laughs) I had no idea I was like six years old at the time I'm like I just thought I ate a cracker at church I had no idea um and then my mom's side is Jewish so traditionally I guess you could say I was raised in a Jewish household um when I was younger my grandfather on my mother's side so my poppy he was um the more religious figure in our household. So he brought us together for Jewish holidays. And that's some of my earliest memories of being around food, being around religion, celebrating um, these beautiful holidays like Hanukkah and Passover, and at a very early age trying to figure out what that all meant. And then on my dad's side, similar things. We'd come together for holidays. We didn't talk, I think, as much about religion with my dad. So it was always kind of a mystery to me growing up. I didn't really understand. I had two different religions being practiced kind of by both sets of parents. And then when my grandfather passed away, that really died with him. We really stopped as a family celebrating anything after that. And so as a young adult at that point, it was kind of left up to me, you know, where 
do you go from this moment with your religion? You know, do you do you choose to be Jewish? Do you choose to be Catholic? What does that mean for you? And to be honest, I really ignored it for a long time. I, it was overwhelming to me. And I had seen a lot of things in organized religion that I didn't agree with. And because I didn't have anybody to talk to me about it, instead of understanding or talking through something, I just chose to ignore it. And because I didn't understand it, which is not a healthy thing to do, but I didn't have anybody having healthy conversations with me about that. So I'd see hypocrisy in something which happens in everything that we do. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that person's this and they did this. So that doesn't make sense to me. Or this person paid a lot of money to this church and uh, that didn't make sense to me, you know, that they're giving all this money away. And so for a long time, I really got away from that. And it wasn't really until after I graduated college that I became more interested again in learning more about my Jewish heritage. It became really important to me to understand where my family had come from and to understand how that fits into my life today. And to be honest, I still don't think I have that answer. I think I'm still figuring that out as I go. I think birthright is going to be a really interesting experience for me. So I'm actually looking to just having some real conversations with people about, okay, what do we believe why do we believe that? Um, what does it look like to be a Jewish person on a day-to-day basis to you and to me? And where does that fit in my goals to have a family? And I think, like I said, I'm still really figuring that out. I think I am comfortable to say that I believe we're on this earth for a greater purpose. And it's it's comforting to think that we're all here serving something greater than ourselves. Because even though I said at the beginning that I serve myself first to be able to serve my team, it's still a great feeling to know that at the end of the day, we're working something towards something much bigger than we can even imagine. And it's just hard to comprehend what that is. Um, But I do take comfort in knowing that I wake up and go to work and live my life for something that is much greater than just myself that's it's very powerful and i would i would express in 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 response and agreement i think we're all searching yeah i I think that's the that's the beauty of it you just talked about you you know is that sometimes you just wake up every day and you just hope uh, people realize that you know you're just trying to do the best you can and yeah most of the time we don't know what we're doing yeah <laughs> sometimes think, that's enough yeah <laughs> is i think uh, uh the religion is defined by uh belief sets and dogma mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um they're defined by people mm-hmm. right and so the questions go to that bigger question of mm-hmm. what's that what's that drive towards uh something greater than ourselves that um that unknown that uncertainty that we mm-hmm. can most certainly fear mm-hmm. uh or we can embrace so now we're going to move to the big four. So I, I know, shocking, shocking. Ooh. We, we, I, yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. So, so here are the big four. You ready? I'm ready. What does living a balanced life mean to you and how do you accomplish it? So living a balanced life means paying attention to 
I was actually just having this conversation with a staff member this afternoon, and I I used her energy and her um, w- ability to do things as a bucket. And I said, okay, you've got this bucket, and I'm going to put things in your bucket, but you already have some things there, right? And we have to work together to understand when your bucket is going to be overflowing or when maybe it's a little depleted and find some sort of common ground to make sure it's just the right amount. And for me, that's what that balance is. It's the bucket. It's where am I depleted in these certain categories and what is it that I need to focus on to feel my most fulfilled self. So it's the holistic approach to everything and knowing that you can't fully ignore one category for too long before it starts to come back and bite you. And, you know, for example, I'll take sleep. So if you go a couple nights without getting good night's sleep, everything else in your life falls apart. That's why toddlers have full tantrums when they don't get enough sleep. We're pretty much the same type of person as a toddler. And we the tantrums just, just get yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the tantrums just get bigger. We, I was gonna say we hide it maybe a little bit better, but not really. I think not, not at all. Yeah. Uh, you can ask my wife. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mess. So. Awful. So I think it's it's being in tune with where your buckets are at, knowing which buckets matter to you too, you know? For some people, family and relationships are really important. Um, for other people, um, work is really important. But you have to decide what those buckets are. And then, again, knowing what it feels like when one is depleted and knowing how to refill it. So for me, it's – I'm actually – even though I love to talk – I'm very much an introvert by nature. I do not feel replenished when I am in large groups with a lot of people. So when I need to refill a bucket, it's going away from everybody and being alone. And maybe it's watching a show or going on a walk or just totally disconnecting. Um, But I know that about me. And that's how I have to refill my own bucket. And somebody else might have a totally different answer. But I know that for me, it's it's, a... getting away, maybe getting in nature, um, unplugging and making sure that I need to do whatever it is before I feel restorative. So thinking about your buckets mm-hmm. um, and thinking about the 11 components yeah. um, that we, we see on the Four uh, Questions podcast mm-hmm. as kind of the essential buckets to sustain and fill up. Mm-hmm. Um to, to lead to that balanced experience, uh, which most, uh, which one most resonates with you and why? So I, it's hard because health and NOSH, I think, are so close um, in what I do every day and what's so important to me. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll speak to them a little bit interchangeably. You only get one. Oh, yeah, you only we're, get one. We're, you can um, rank them. Okay. So, but... so we're putting you in a bucket. Okay. And I have to pick one. I have to pick. I just. Oh, my yeah. own words are trapping me. Okay. <laughs> Which one resonates the most? I would say health. Then, even though I get that um, your food habits are a part of that. Um, Without your health, you have nothing. You really don't. And I can speak to that as a person that has been without my health. Um, Even recently in the last year, I went through a pretty not great um, out of the blue health crisis that I wasn't expecting. I didn't know what caused it. And just having that brief moment of time where I was able to see again, okay, this is what it's like to 
take this for granted and literally overnight have my health change and go from being a what I considered a healthy, thriving individual to I wasn't leaving my bed for days at a time. I was so in so much pain. It was awful. And it was really in that moment where I realized if I don't prioritize my health and take care of myself, I can't do anything. I can't have emotional relationships with people. I can't um, you know, go out and enjoy a good meal. I can't go to my work. I can't serve others if I don't have my health. And so making sure that that relationship with my health is always a priority. It literally means the difference between having any other buckets to even fill or not. How do you uh, best embody that characteristic in your own life or how do you help inspire others? I make it a priority. I, we all are strapped for time. There is not a single person I meet that's like, "Ah, I could do this tomorrow. I've got plenty of time. Like that doesn't (laughs) exist anymore. We are in a society where more is better and we have to do more and accomplish more and be more. (laughs) More is less. (laughs) I feel that way. I've heard it both ways. Yeah. I'm trying to work less, but I think there's this hustle and this entrepreneurial grind where it's fun to not get sleep and it's fun to, you know, work really hard and bust your butt to get where you need to go. And there's all the time and a place for that. But I said it the other day. I'm like, if you do not get enough sleep, it's just stupid. There's no point <laughs> so true. in trying to tiptoe around that anymore. It's not cool to try to say that you can survive on four hours of sleep. So I live it as an example because I do it. I prioritize my health. I wake up in the morning. And when I say health to me, it's it's so many things. It's my, my mindset. It's my gratitude journal. It's my health choices that I make throughout the day with what I choose to put in my body, how much I'm sitting, making sure I'm moving throughout the day, making sure I'm yeah, I'm up more than I'm sitting, that I'm using weights to give my muscles a challenge. So I do that every day. I work out or move my body every single day with intention. So whether that's going to the gym or taking my dogs for a walk or riding a bike, I have to do something to move my body. And I always prioritize sleep. I literally think I'm the only entrepreneur in the world that gets a solid eight hours every night. And when I meet people, they're like, what do you mean you get enough sleep? I'm like, I have a bedtime routine. I have lights out around the same time every night. I have a blue light blocker so that I'm not getting those blue lights in bed before I, you know, getting my brain all wired up again. Um, I stop any sort of work conversation hours before I get into bed so I'm not having all these wheels turning and it's not a perfect system I definitely have some nights where I break routine but I make it a priority um and that means literally in my google calendar scheduling it for myself as anal as that seems um because for me I have a lot of things going on in my day and if I don't make the intention to put the time there, the time, the, the vampires will come and take that time Absolutely. away from me. So. I'm inspired because, you know, the, there is this context in a world of more is better, more is better, and there is no study that exists that, that actually agrees with that. Yeah, so more, that's why I say more is actually less. You can do a whole much, you can do a whole bunch more mm-hmm. if you focus on exactly what you're talking about so in, in those spaces, right? Mm-hmm. Focus on the spaces. You're going to be more, uh, overall, um, uh, whole that'll allow an individual to find a uh, greater fulfillment and mm-hmm. don't feel you have to do everything. We're in a world that yeah. everybody has to do everything. If you do what you do well and better than stay anyone in else, your lane. Yeah. stay in your lane and find yeah. the other people around you that yeah. do it 
do the other things that you're really not good at. I, I like what you said about um, sort of acknowledging the, the sort of in the community of in an entrepreneurial space, people who are who are on that quest for freedom of being able to to run their day by their own terms mm-hmm. is that we sort of glorify the people who do it um, at the expense of a lot of other yes, things. Absolutely. Most and most significantly, health and sleep yes. and mental clarity. Yeah. And uh, and I think it's it's high time that we turn that around. I am so on that conquest with you. No, I just, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I think it's just a continuous conversation of breaking those stereotypes. Even in my own place of work, people thinking that they have to be there from nine to five. I'm like, I never told you that. (laughs) If you get your job done, go home at noon, go home at three, go whatever, walk your dog, play with your cat, spend time with your kid. If that is what is needed for you and you've done your job, I am never going to tell you have to have your butt in a chair until five o'clock. That just doesn't make sense to me. So I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I think it's, I love what both of you are saying is it's time to stop idealizing mm-hmm. the aspects that not only don't make sense, mm-hmm. but actually are detrimental to our our, our own personal well-being yes. and ultimately affect more deeply how we interact with people in our mm-hmm. community. And so it's powerful. So one last question. Yeah. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. You're positive. I am not positive. <laughs> Take that back. We've already no. learned this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Remember, I have no idea what I'm doing. Making it up as I go. So what is one piece of advice that you would offer to those seeking to find greater balance in life? You don't have to do anything you don't want to. You can create the life of your dreams at any moment, and you can do that today. By that I mean you don't have to wait for permission or wait for the right moment or have to gone to college for the right degree or have the right skill set. You just have to decide what you want and start doing it. Nobody has to give you permission for that, and that's the balance comes later, but you first have to be fulfilled in what you're doing. You're never going to have balance if you are unfulfilled. And so you have to figure it out what it is that you want and find joy in and then start doing that and give yourself the permission to do the things that you want to do. And when you find fulfillment, the balance is going to come from that. You might go a little crazy into it at first because you're so fulfilled and you want to put all your time and energy into that. But it starts with fulfillment first and then giving yourself permission to do the things that you want to do. You don't have to live any life other than the one that you want to. If there is one question that you would like to ask someone when you're trying to get to know them, what would it be? I'm actually really bad at asking questions. I tell this to my husband. He's so good at asking questions and guiding people in conversations. And it's such a skill that I'm so fond of. So maybe my question is, how do you ask better questions? <laughs> um, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, what brings you joy? Oh, that's a good one. You are the chief of customer happiness. That is me. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So what brings you joy? That's a yeah. great question. Yeah. Thank you. should you. use that question all the time. I will, actually. Yeah, like whenever you meet someone, you should right. say, what brings you joy? I, I think that can say a lot about a person. Yeah. Because nobody cool. likes to be asked, what do you do for a living? They want to know. I mean, I think. No it, one cares. It, right. <laughs> like, ask people questions that you genuinely want to know the answer to. And if, yeah, in that moment, I think joy would be one of them. 
We're definitely on the same page. So I do have cool. one question for you about uh, uh, whether it be your reading patterns or mm -hmm. maybe I should throw in podcast patterns. Yes. Um, yes. Is I think we could open it up. We, we can open we it up. Can, we can open okay. it up. I've, I've noticed that that you know there's different people doing different stuff. So mm -hmm. wanna wanna give many options for everybody. So what are up to five? Okay. Uh, you can you can uh, discern as you see fit. Sure. Up to five. Up to five. <laughs> Books or podcasts okay. that yeah. are or have been the most impactful on your career, your life, your experiences, your love, mm -hmm. family. So <laughs> the first one I think of right away, I recommend this book to probably everyone I meet in so many ways it's changed my life, The Five Love Languages. It has opened up my eyes so much to the way we communicate and appreciate and understand love. And that has translated and transpired across every single one of my relationships. My husband specifically, but my my absolutely my employees. Having somebody that's frustrated and upset and not feeling appreciated is the worst feeling in the world. And it all comes down to the way that they feel appreciated. So I was just speaking a different language to some of these people. And even though I could have sworn that I was showing them appreciation in every way possible, they weren't feeling it. And so at the end of the day, it didn't matter how I was showing them appreciation. So the five love languages is a must read. Um, I absolutely adore that book. I listened to it the day after I got engaged, and it was a, a total game changer. Um, the next one would be a, kind of a newer conquest in my uh, my goal to minimize my lifestyle and to get rid of clutter. You're talking to too minimalist. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, truly. I, I wonder if it's going to be the book that I think you that I think you're going to say. Go the for it. The art of tidying or the magic art of tidying. Uh, I, I hope I'm not butchering that. I just read it. Um, I, have, I have terrible attention to detail, so I listen to books and things all the time, and then I can't tell you the name of them. I can tell you what it was about, but I can't you tell you the author. Yeah. <laughs> Half the time I make up words. Yeah, so. yeah. That's one of my... Right Adam, has what, Adam has what we call a minimal vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> words. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, um, yes. So that book is fantastic. I, you know... Take, don't take me up on that exact title, but it's pretty close. You'll get it if you Google it. And it's all about um, – it's a little woo-woo, so it's not my favorite in, like, the actual – I listened to it on Audible, and it wasn't my favorite presentation, but the content is fantastic, and it really opened up my eyes to – does this item I have bring me joy? And if it doesn't, why do I own it? Because it's just creating clutter in my mind and in my physical space. So really did some work on that. Um, I'm down to like not a lot of stuff. I'm living in an RV right now, so I can't have a lot of things. But it has made me realize when I go back to my home how much more I can get rid of. I'm actually really excited to uh, do another a binge, big binge, or purge, sorry, big purge. See, right. I'm not good well, with I mean, words either. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody, you know, it's like there's the there's the cliche like spring cleaning, yeah. and now it's like a, more like a year-round cleaning, yes. right? If yeah. you like, you can kind of discover something. Yeah. Well, you know. beauty's a feng shui. I mean, it yeah. really is, is that there's the idea, I mean, this is ancient philosophy, mm -hmm. this idea that if you're not using it in a specific time frame, 
it is useless in your space. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. And so get it's rid of dead it. Weight. It, yep. It's dead weight. Yep. Exactly. And in using that type of minimalist philosophy, and I love it, um, is yeah, it too. works in every aspect. He he got me turned on to the podcast of minimalist. So mm-hmm. um, the, you listen yes, to them as yes, well. Yes. Amazing. Fantastic. It is. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's really good. Is, Fantastic. The, the whole idea is is you can take that and it it functions so well in life as well. Right. And so, you know, in our relationships, yep. you don't need lots to have a fulfilling and, and meaningful, all. meaningful life. You mm-hmm. need great people um, who value you and what you bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's that's amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. So, OK, so those are two. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go any more? I, I think one more. This one's a little bit more business side, but it has completely changed the way. Not only, I guess, I talk about my business, but I talk about myself. Um, it's called the uh, it's called building a story brand, and it's somewhat newer. It's all about the art of storytelling, and I'm obsessed with storytelling. I won a storytelling contest in fifth grade um, because it's something that comes so natural to us, right? That's how we've communicated for thousands and thousands of years. We tell stories. That's how we talk about history and pass on what's important to us. And that's really what business is too. That's how you grow your business is you have to figure out how to tell the story of who you are and what you do and who your customers are. And so I've become obsessed with learning how to tell stories really well. And that book really helped open my eyes to that. That's amazing. So uh, with our chief of customer happiness, uh, Carly Marhefko, we are truly indebted to you. Thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, We would love, uh, and I know we were talking about 80 and 20. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're looking forward to that delivery of your mom's uh, (laughs) baking. I'm not, I'm not here. I'm looking, cupcakes would be preferable. (laughs) Um, Maybe donuts. Um, Again, I'm not, I'm not suggesting, but the 80 is just as important and to to subscribe uh, to eat the 80 uh, would definitely help individuals as they, um, uh, find more balance in their lives. I've had I the meals. That. They're delicious. Thank you. Um, and so I believe it. Well, they are. They are. You would be. Uh, yeah. You've. Uh, have you had? We'll have to get. We'll have to change that. We'll have to change all of that. Yeah. <laughs> so as you think about uh, best way to get in contact with you. Uh, so email Carly at eat the 80.com and that's two E's two E's Carly with two E's C A R L E E. And, um, yeah, actually that's probably the best way. Yeah. Awesome. Send me an email and any social media. Yep. Uh, eat the 80s on Facebook and Instagram, just Facebook and Instagram slash eat the 80. And then our website is eat the 80.com. It was so amazing learning from you and we're looking to continue to learn together. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you both so much. Carly, we thank you so much for, for donating some of your time today, um, to be with us. Um, cause we know your time is very valuable. Um, and so we appreciate you sharing, uh, your wealth of knowledge and experience with us and with our listeners. Um, and there's so much more that we still don't know. Yeah. Um, Carly does actually have a blog. We didn't get a chance to talk about <laughs> it, but if you want to check it out, yes. Crush Couple, Google it. Yep. Um, it's uh, it's a good you. read. Some great Crush articles. CrushCouple.com. Thank you. CrushCouple. You better get dot- some content, more content on yeah, there now. Yeah, you should be working yeah. on that. Sorry to add. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, I am My filled bucket. up. My bucket is My full. Bucket. You know what? There are, there are different size buckets. Yeah. I need if a bigger bucket. <laughs> 
we can help you find that. <laughs> um, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, Adam and I can put you, we got a bucket guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And then in that case, if we can't have, a, if we can't find our bucket guy, we'll get a guy guy to get us a bucket guy. Yes, okay. We'll get another guy or another guy this to seems find efficient. that bucket. Yeah. And oddly, and oddly we're enough. About, we're about efficiencies here. It's mm -hmm. uh, really finding that niche. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> guy guy and a bucket guy. Okay. So, um, so to our listeners, uh, please be, please be sure to reach out to Carly if, if you want to know more about Eat the 80, want to know more about health, lifestyle, wellness, uh, mindfulness. Um, definitely uh, check, out, check out Eat the 80 and check out Carly's stuff online. Thank you again, Carly, for being with us. Thank you. Thank you both. So I really appreciate what Carly had to share with us. Um, the, the most important thing that I think I took away from it was about how we understand uh, taking care of our health and, and what we put into our body. It, it, it's not about these diet fads in some capacity where we just cut out everything, but more importantly, how do we understand that 80, 20 rule of let's, let's, uh, let's 80% of the time be great, but let's not isolate ourselves from the aspects that are in uh, that we're looking at, whether that's a cupcake or uh, one of my personal favorites, ice cream. Or, or as you as you talked about, right? You know, your six pieces of chocolate, right? Okay, okay. It wasn't six. Might have been eight. It might have been eight. <laughs> and and by eight, he means twelve. Yeah. Well, then, let's again. Let's not talk about numbers here. Let, this is not. You're, you're, you're right. You're right. We're this, going. <laughs> This is not a mathematical equation. We're going Let's for quality, not quantity here. That, you know what? I'm going to go with that. I'm but, get... <laughs> so I will tell you, one of the things I was interested in when um, when we were listening and, and really ex speaking with Carly was a lot of the questions about health focus on two things uh, that I think are important, mortality and a legacy. So how do we ensure our own mortality, which we know we don't control. There are certain things we can control, one of them being what we put into our body and how we take care of our body. Right, how we fuel ourselves. Exactly. And what's the legacy we, we seek to leave, right? What are we going to do to ensure that um, we give back or, or our um, experience is, is remembered, whether it's by our family and friends or, or even more so? What is that legacy? But I was really thinking about mortality and, and the idea of death and the fear of death. And so I looked up some stuff, and I, I have a question for you, Logan. Okay, shoot. Who are most afraid of death when it comes to the spectrum of religious belief? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, so just just uh, FYI. So Adam looked up this information. I have not yet seen this information. <laughs> you have not, so you have so not I am I am I am taking a blind guess on this. Um, which group of which which religion is most scared which, of which, which which on the spectrum of religious belief? Okay, who is who is most afraid of death? I would have to say believers. So you would think that's the case. So the study that was done, it was a study at the University of Oxford. And what they did is they did a bunch of studies um, on, on studies on this question of are you afraid of death and what your religious beliefs are. And what they found is those that are the least afraid of death or afraid of their own mortality are atheist, which is quite surprising, and very religious individuals. Okay. So you have people on both extreme sides. 
that are le- that are more comfortable, if you will, with the idea of death, right? And then in hmm. the middle, which most of us are, right? Right. That we, because we're trying to figure out what we control, what we don't control, right? And and I think what Carly was really expressing about health was, look, we have the opportunity to control our health. We don't have to be a hundred percent on it, right? But we have to be conscious of it. We have to be aware of what we put in our bodies and how that affects our own livelihoods. And right. so I thought that was really powerful. I agree. I um. So and and thinking about that now, having having been given that information, it, it does tend to make a lot of sense because you either, I you know, I view like those who are extreme believers, they relinquish a lot of control in that you know their their dogma or their set of beliefs guides things in their life that they claim they don't have control over. Atheists claim are on the other side of the spectrum. They know that they control or they think they control more. <laughs> think, <laughs> but 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 they're comfortable, but, right? Right. They're comfortable and they're comfortable with that. That's right. that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Um, whereas the, if you're kind of in the middle and you're kind of questioning, like, I'm not really sure what I believe, well, then there's more uncertainty in your life. Absolutely. And I think this is where it's, you know, you, you said it so well as on the atheist, whether atheist or, uh, uh, an extreme believer, you don't have that uncertainty, Right. You 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 have a, an understanding in your mind that is absolute. But mm-hmm. in the middle, which most of us are, it's very hard to find absolutes. And what I found powerful about what Carly was expressing is there's an opportunity for us to grab hold of one of those aspects. Right. We can grab hold of our health. Right. It's hard. It's not easy. It takes practice and, and patience and um, drive. But if, if we can look at it not as all or nothing, but really think about it as a baby step, there's a lot of opportunities to shift that control and understanding what we can control. I, I completely agree with that. And I think that the whole concept of, of absolutes really uh, helps to illustrate. We were talking a little bit about the the concept of deprivation, of hmm. people depriving themselves of certain foods and things they wouldn't put into their body as a as a way to subscribe to some sort of fad diet, be it paleo or trying to not eat carbs or trying to go vegetarian or vegan for a specific amount of time just to like as a way to lose weight, which I mean, some people do and, and like whatever works for you is is great. But the it's all about, first of all, it's all about the why. And so just blindly depriving oneself of things that we enjoy doesn't necessarily lead to the intended result. Uh, I, I had a, a, a great friend and he would always say to me, because I because I I would be usually the one who would come up with the the, skept, the skeptical side or the point of view when we were having some sort of debate. And he would always hit me with with this response. He says, well, to be honest, living is bad for your health. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, you know, it, it was it would always get a laugh out of me. But but it, it was it was kind of one of those responses that helped put things into perspective Absolutely. that that it's like, you know, there's these absolutes. So absolute as in eating all of the things that I that I don't think are right for me and equally eating none of the things that I think are not right for me, but finding that that balance. Yeah. And, and what you just said is, and I think, and Carly mentioned this, which I thought was really powerful is this idea of, um, why are you doing something right? Is, you know, you come into a gym and you say, I want a six pack. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it? So you're ready to, to meet the beach for the summer or spring? summer bod. Uh, have it every year. It's called a, with a shirt on. <laughs> um, I, I agree with Adam, right? Yes, I do have a six pack. It's just I have a, I have a couple layers of awesome on top of it. Exactly. No, and, and if we think about why why do we want to be 
healthy, right? Why do we want to be aware of what we put into our body? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I and that's why I start with the question that we we really that I I led with is is really about what is the mortality we're hoping for, right? Because if we knowing we can't control the random. There are random things that happen in our, our lives. That's 50% of, of, of what's going to happen in our lives is going to be random, maybe even more than that. Um, and then what's the legacy? Because if we know that at any point in time, we don't have that opportunity or there's an opportunity that's completely uh, taken away, is how can we ensure that we um, a- allow ourselves the control to feel, I, I want to do this because it makes me feel good. Right. It's not about getting a six pack, although some people might or might not suggest that. But it's really about I want to feel good. I want to wake up and have uh, I I want to feel my best. I want to be clear in the mind. I want to I want my body to feel um, to feel uh, without pain. (laughs) Right. So and, and there are foods that help to facilitate all of this. But it doesn't mean go all in. It means be cautious and have fun. I, I can tell you, I'm not going to give up ice cream. I know it's an inflammatory. I still love ice cream, so I have to drink more water, and I don't have to have the second, fifth scoop. But <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I don't have to have the fourteenth scoop. You know, it's. <laughs> well, my wife always brings ice cream, or we, you know, I'll make ice cream, and it's like, when I make ice cream, it's like five scoops. It's like no, I only have two. Right? She's like, are you, are you kidding me? And then she brings it to me. It's like one and a half, maybe. Yeah, but but, but, but what the listeners can't see right now is that Adam's scoop is like a gallon. Okay? So. so half gallon. So, it, okay, we'll, we'll split the difference. Um, three quarts. Um, but. So, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, um, and so, so the and and that's the that's really the whole message I think behind what Carly talked with us about is this whole concept of what we're and and honestly what we're trying to help illustrate through this podcast as a whole is this uh, this concept of balance, right? That's why a lot of our our questions that we ask our guests are centered around this concept because there are there are so many things or so many different ideals where people deal in absolutes. And oftentimes, a mission can be found in the middle that works for a majority of people. And again, not saying that it works for everybody because everybody is unique and different. And some people prefer to deal in absolutes like the like the people on both sides of the spectrum, as Adam talked about. So clearly, you've given you know this this health and and journey um, some some significant thought. So, what are some things, if you're comfortable sharing with the audience, that you might have changed about your about your uh, diet or selection of food over the years? Uh, I think the biggest thing that is the most important thing to either eliminate or significantly. Um, uh, significantly decrease is alcohol. Really? I, yeah. I think that, and I, there's different studies out there. I think there's a new study that just came out in the last few days that said no alcohol is good. But, uh, you know, the, uh, alcohol itself, whether it's the grains, it's the, um, it, it really affects the clarity, swollen, inflammatory. If you can, and, and look, I know there's others with sugar and, and, and soda and all that stuff. But for me, and, and I drank, I, I drank enough, <laughs> but, uh, I, when I, once I stopped drinking about two years ago, um, uh, my entire body changed. Um, my, 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 I was, I was more focused. Uh, my body no longer had any pain. Um, 
and it's not that I'm old, but I feel old. Um, and I just uh, had more appreciation and gratefulness for a lot of different things. And it's it's not to suggest that um, that. that you know, that, that I was drinking too much, more so that regardless of whether you have one drink, five drinks, 10 drinks, whether one day of the week or, or seven days of the week, I think that that, that alcohol itself uh, creates a, con- a, a context that I think can really affect our health. But again, as Carly expressed, and, and I, I say this for myself, is I, I, I chose to not drink anymore because uh, it, it's better for me. Some people, you know, can choose to, to not take that drastic of approach. But I think it's all how do we look at that and think of it in in um, uh, in in moderation as opposed to, um, you know, just do it for do it sakes. And, and I think that's that's a biggest that's a biggest thing. That was actually really great. Thanks, man. So I just want to thank Adam for. Uh, for sharing um, his thoughts. Really appreciate that. And uh, also, um, one more thing. Uh, We did have a question from Carly that she wanted to ask our audience, and that question was? What brings you joy? If you have a response and you would like to get a chance to have your response featured on a future episode of the Four Questions podcast, please... Uh, grab your phone, grab some headphones, record a voice memo response. We love to have your voice response because we think that uh, you can you can best illustrate your thoughts and ideas better than Adam and I can. And record that voice memo and email it to us at contact, that's the word contact, at thefourquestions.org. We'll listen to them and hopefully feature you on a future episode of the Four Questions podcast. Once again, um, we want to thank you so much for tuning into this month's episode. And if you haven't already, please uh, subscribe to the Four Questions podcast. You can get notified about future episodes in iTunes, Spotify, uh, and wherever else you may listen to your podcast. We're also on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at four questions cast that's the number four questions cast uh we would love to have you interact with us on the socials and the social medias as adam likes to call it and hopefully uh maybe if you are interested and maybe you're not comfortable asking your question via voice feel free to ask us a question um through our social media channels as well and we look forward to releasing a future great episode and producing even better content for you in the future on the four questions podcast have a great month